Oh, the end. 
You are always good. 
there's victory in you, we just take the next step and we praise you through it all, Father. Using our voice as a weapon tonight to shake the darkness.
without a podium up here. So we just welcome you. Ria, is this going to be okay? It's so hard with the television. Um, so we're so glad that you're all here tonight. Is anybody here for the very first time? Anybody that hasn't been here before? If you um, if you haven't, just let us know after, and we will um, talk with you and give you a gift. Um, so just a couple of announcements. So we're going to, last week, a lot of you were here last week. T tonight we're going to still have a part of the team up here, but then there's going to be three of them in the audience. So if you guys did some studying, you get to be a part of our discussion tonight too. The only caution that I um, want to give is if, um, the only concern really that Rhea had was that if she has to correct anybody, not in a bad way, but um, she's really studied the scriptures out. And so if she has to correct you, it's not an offensive thing. Don't be offended by it. She just wants to keep the you know, keep it um, strictly adhering to the Word of God. She did this with me last week. I'm putting, I, I am, I'm doing these little notebooks, and so you can't be offended. But um, I like it actually. So <laughs> I'm doing one of these little flip notebooks with all the different scriptures. How she taught us to study this, you know, find scriptures for ourselves. So she's like, "Let me see them," and I was like, "Okay." So she's looking at them. She's going through, and she's like, "But this one is really not worded right." <laughs> so, <laughs> so she she goes and she wrote it out for me, and she goes, "This," and, but but that's what we want, right? We want to have teachable hearts. We want to we want to know the truth, and so. <laughs> just sounds so bad. I just need to tell you that one of the scriptures she had said that her children would be chains around her neck. And I read it and I'm like, really? It says that? And so I went yeah, to look up the yeah, scripture yeah. and it said there'll be garlands, garlands around chains, my yeah. neck. Yes. <laughs> and so that's so what she, I corrected. Yes, yes. So it wasn't, no, I mean, I didn't mean that in a bad way. I'm just saying it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Don't be offended. Yeah. Right, right. 
because um, her heart's always pure. She wants us to get it. So, so anyways, so I wanted to let you know that. And so if you have, so um, we're going to have Karen is, there are three Karens are going to be out here tonight. So if you, it's just say Karen. Um, and so, so they're going to be out in, in between here. And so if, if you guys have something that you want to share, raise your hand and they'll have a microphone. Just make sure you talk into the microphone because this is also being, yeah, we'll get them. Um, this is also being recorded on YouTube and Facebook. And so um, make sure you talk into the microphone like this. And then the last thing I wanted to just share is Karen Vogel is moving to Waukesha. I don't know if anybody knew that. But they are looking for anybody that has Thursday morning free, right? Thursday morning? Um, can oh, Okay, so Thursday afternoon or morning free to help load up a, um, a trailer. And um, so if... Can you just stand up? And so if you don't know Karen and you're free, there she is. But if you know her and you want to just can give like an hour or two to do that, that would be great. Um, we know a lot of people are working, but if you're not working, that would be awesome. So so I'm going to pray for our night, and then we're going to start. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that um, you are here with us. We thank you, Father, that you are our teacher, and we ask that you would just... Uh, you would just give it every one of us a teachable heart. Our hearts would be um, pliable. They'd be they'd be willing to be um, taught, corrected, whatever. And that we would be um, we would just leave here tonight looking more like you. We thank you for this offering. We ask that you again bless it back to the people who pour into this ministry. And we thank you, Father, that um, that you are again that you're just here tonight with us in Jesus' name. Sing. 
that you're here tonight. Can we thank Kathy and Megan for their ministry? So grateful for it. I'm going to invite the team that's going to sit up here uh, to come up and then the, the team and the audience. I am going to ask, though, that if you have something that you want to share, um, we're going to station the team in the very front here so that you can come to them on the microphone uh, if, you, if you would so that we can make sure that we get it on Facebook. Karen Booth came up to me at the end of the service last week, and she had a great, can we thank Don, Don and Nate, and <laughs> yeah, and Dave sitting in the back, and Lynn, we're so grateful for them, what they do behind the scenes, and um, so Karen came up to me at the end of the service last week and had a wonderful illustration, and I said, Karen, why didn't you interrupt me and share that? Because it was so good. So I said, could you just start out the service this week with that illustration? So Karen, do you want to come? We'll get you a microphone. Leslie, can you make sure she gets a mic? Um. So the scripture has a lot about God creating us that we've been reading. And when you go to weave something from scratch, you're starting out with a concept in your head. And then you have to gather the materials, and in difficult times, they had to actually weave the, or spin the materials. And then you're measuring them, <laughs> and you're uh, cutting them each to length, and then you're putting each single thread through the holes in the loom so that all they're all going in the right order, in the right sequence, and then you're weaving a single one back and forth. And it's not a quick process, but in the process of creating something like this, you take on an ownership of it that is very different than what you would have if you just ran to the store and bought it. Okay, and God, it's kind of an illustration that how important we are to God because he wove us together. That's right, so good. And Karen can say that because she made that. <laughs> She's so amazingly gifted. And so thank you, Karen. She, she said that to me last week, and there was a spot on the scarf, and she said, even when there's a blemish on it, the one who created it can pick it out and notice it before someone else would maybe not even, not even see it. And so I thought that was so fascinating. Um, but I want to just open up this week by asking you, have you ever asked yourself the question, who am I? Have you ever wondered, do I really even matter to anyone? Does anybody see me? <laughs> You're in the room tonight, but do you wonder, does anybody notice me? Does God even care about me? Maybe you ask yourself. I, I heard somebody say, well, God answers the prayers for that person, but not for me. Do, do you ever wonder if he really cares about you? I think for all of us, those are questions that run through our mind at some time uh, or another. But I know no other scripture that puts those questions to rest more clearly than Psalm 139. And last week, uh, we studied and we learned about the all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present God. 
the God who searches us, who digs deep, we read, within us, who has a sort of a, a spiritual x-ray and can see everything in us. He peers deep within our soul, and he doesn't just know about us. He, he knows us intimately. He's intimately acquainted with every detail of our life. Nothing escapes his notice. Psalm 139.2 says he knows when we sit and when we rise. Some commentators think that means he, he's familiar with our ups and downs. Some of you, I know you, and you have lots of ups and downs. And doesn't it comfort you to know that God is familiar with your ups and your downs? Other commentators say that every moment of our day is under his all-seeing eye and that nothing escapes his watchful eye. He's never surprised, can I just tell you, by something that you do. It's not the one thing that he says, wow, I didn't see that coming. He's familiar with all your ways. But of all the things that we talked about last week, the one thing that brings me the most comfort is the fact that he perceives, that he understands my thoughts from afar. Can I just tell you, I have some radical thoughts sometimes. I, I don't know about you. But sometimes the stuff that flies through my head, I think, where did that even come from, Lord? And I love that God not only knows my thoughts, that he, but he understands them. That, that's why James says, if any man lacks wisdom, he should come to me and he should ask because I'll give it to him generously without finding fault. Because you see, God is so familiar with my ways. He's so familiar with my thoughts. He, is, he perceives and understands everything there is to know about me. That when I don't even understand myself and why the, I do the things that I do, he invites me to come to him and say, Lord, you know. Can you help me to understand? Can you give me wisdom? Can you give me insight and knowledge to why I think the way I think, why I act the way I act? Why I say the thing today. Let me ask you a question tonight. How would it change your life if you really believed that God knew everything about you? If you truly comprehended that he knows every thought that comes through your mind, even if you never vocalize those thoughts. That he knows everything you do, every word you speak, everywhere you go. He knows what you've done when no one is looking. And he understands the motives of your heart. How would that change the way that you live? You see, David makes it clear in Psalm 139 that God is more than just a God in heaven. He's a personal God. He's a God who is intimately connected with every detail of our lives. Everywhere we go, everything we do, everything we are is intimately known by God. And the thing that blows my mind is that that knowledge that he has of me doesn't change his love for me one bit. He knows every dirty, rotten, horrible thing I thought, I did, I said. And he loves me. Anyway, tell me where you can find a love like that. Why people run from him, I'll never know. Because he knows about us. And he loves us anyway. That's a safe God. That's a God who we should run to and not away. Tonight we're going to pick up in verse 3. And we're going to read verses 3 through 6. I want to read them to you in the Passion Translation because I just really like them. 
in, in the Passion Translation. Actually, I'll start in verse 1 and read through verse 6. Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. You perceive every movement of my heart and soul, and you understand my every thought before it even enters my mind. You are so intimately aware of me, Lord. You read my heart like an open book, and you know all the words I'm about to speak before I even start a sentence. You know every step I will take before my journey even begins. You've gone into my future to prepare the way, and in kindness you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. With your hand of love upon my life, you impart a blessing to me. This is just too wonderful, deep and incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings me wonder and strength. I, I love that. Uh, I, I don't know what translations you looked at this week, especially you as the team, what translations you looked at this week, but let's just look at verses 3 and 6. You say, well, Rhea, you already read it to us. Why do you need to have them read any other translations? I, I told you last week that when I study, I study from the New King James Version, but, but I have all of my Bibles open on the desk in front of me because it helps me before I even start digging into the passage to read other translations, and there were several this week that I thought were profound. I especially want to make sure we hit the voice. Does somebody on the team, Leslie, you have the voice. Can, can you read just verses 3 through 6? You observe my wanderings and my sleeping, my waking and my dreaming, and you know everything I do in more detail than even I know. You know what I'm going to say long before I say it. It is true, eternal one that you know everything and everyone. You have surrounded me on every side, behind me and before me, and you have placed your hand gently on my shoulder. Mm. It is the most amazing feeling to know how deeply you know me inside and out. The realization of it is so great, I cannot comprehend it. I love that. What did you like about that, Leslie? What stuck out to you? That... It's not just your waking, but it's your dreaming. I did too. I mean, yeah. know, he's like there all the time. And he, yeah, so I really liked that. And he knows every everything that we say before we say it. I mean, everything. Mm -hmm. it's just, yeah, it's uh, Jake is here tonight, and uh, I, I just love Jake. And, and I always uh, find every opportunity I can to speak into his life because he's just so important to me. And one of the things I will say to him often is scripture says that your old men, I might misquote it, I, I, sometimes I get it backwards, that your old men will dream, dream, your old men will, uh, dream dreams and your young men will see visions. And I, I always say, Jake, I'm going to pray for you to dream dreams and see visions. And, and, and people say, well, Rhea, that's a little whacked. No, it's not. Right here we see that God is, is with us. He observes our waking and our dreaming. And I believe that he speaks to us, especially as it says in Joel, in our dreams. Do you see that? He gives us dreams and visions. And so I love that that came out in that translation tonight. Any other translation that you saw as the team? Pat, yeah, Sandy, let's hear that New Living translation. Let's make sure you're on. There we go. Maybe. <laughs> I'm on. <laughs> You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I, where I, what I am going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. 
So Sandy, what did you like about that translation? Um, it's just like no matter where you go, sometimes I guess when you go on vacations and travel, you tend to get a little lapse with all this, and yeah. he's right there. <laughs> That's right. That's <laughs> you right. You can't get away. I, I especially like the hand of blessing upon hand me because in the head. NIV or the New King James, it says, you have me in behind and before, and you've laid your hand upon me. And, and I have always, I told you I memorized this passage with my son Tyler, and, and, I, and even to today when I pray for him, he's, he's in Minnesota in the midst of all of this as a police officer, and I will almost pray for him on the phone with him often, and I will say, Tyler, I'm praying that he hems you in behind and before, and he lays your hand, his hand upon you, and I've always viewed that as a, as a, as a type of protection, and I believe it is, but I, I loved that in the New Living, it comes out, and he says, you've laid your hand of blessing upon me. There was nothing more sought after in the Old Testament than the Father's blessing, the Father's hand of blessing. Some of you are, are men, and you are still seeking after your Father's blessing. You've missed your Father's blessing. Some of you are fathers. And you have sons who are seeking your blessing. You, you give them this. You give them correction. But they're seeking the hand of blessing. They're seeking you to lay your hand on them and speak a word of blessing over them. And that's what it says in the New Living. It says, and you've laid your hand of blessing upon me. You've blessed me as a father. I loved that. Any other translations? I Tina. the AMPC. Um, you sift and search out my path and my lying down, and you are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue still unuttered, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have beset me and shut me in, behind and before, and you have laid your hand upon me. Your infinite knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high above me. I cannot reach it. So I can always count on Tina for the Amplified, but what did you like about that, Tina? Um, I like how it says... Um, You've beset me and shut me in behind and before, and you have laid your hand upon me. Mm. So I think it's just like the, like, it's like a closure almost, you know, uh. like, like this is where, you know, he is, like this is where you are, but like him, it, it was just like the place. I've shut you in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, th and that's going to be fascinating when we get to that tonight. It's a powerful word. It means far, far more than what we see there. You hem me in behind you before. It's really a powerful uh, definition when we get to it. Any other translations? Leah, you didn't have one that you liked? I like the NASB. Okay. And there's just a couple words that I like yeah. that stood out to now me you, most. Now, you need to know the NASB, the New American Standard Version, is in the Bible, is the most literal, would you say, Dave? Most word for word. Yeah, it, it, reads, it reads kind of, you'll, you'll see when, when Leah reads it to you, it reads kind of harsh. It, it's difficult to study from, uh, but it is, if you look at it and look at the, the original language, it will be pretty literal. Um, so it's a good one to study. Go ahead, Leah. It says, you scrutinize my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word in my tongue, behold, Lord, you know it all. You have encircled me behind and in front and placed your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot comprehend it. Mm. So what were the words you liked? I well, the word scrutinize <laughs> caught my eye, and I looked it up, and it said examine closely and minutely, exhaustively. Mm. 
And um, I like I like that in both senses, like what you were saying about that he knows everything good about us and he also knows everything that needs to be worked out of us. And um, I think that that's a good message for us to embrace and it's one that I've, I still have a lot of hard time embracing the scrutinizing part where there's elements in me that don't belong. And I've, I feel like I've gone through a process for a long time now where the Lord is teaching me, like he, re he refines us in the furnace of affliction yes. sometimes. And um, he's always good. He's always fair. And there's nothing about that process that is harmful or awful to us. It's always to bring out what's the very best in us and to remove the things that we don't uh, need in our life. And it, once we can get past ourselves, that word scrutinize can be really comforting. And so I, I, I'm learning how to embrace that word. And it's interesting that you say that, Leah. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but David understood that as well. Because you see, this is how he starts the, the psalm, search me and know me. And he ends the psalm by saying, search me and know me and see if there's any wicked way in me. Um, because he's inviting the scrutiny, the, the scrutiny. He's inviting God to search him because he understands that he's a, he's a loving father. Who, and if he puts his finger on something, it's for our own good. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah, I, I liken that to, I've heard so many people say that they've gone to the doctor because they had a pain in their back or they had something that was ailing them. And it was just enough to make their life uncomfortable where they had to go to the doctor only to find that it led to something pretty severe inside of them that was able to um, be taken care of right away because they got to it as quickly as they did. And I think a lot of times we're experiencing things in our life where um, it feels painful and it feels hurtful, but if we're open enough to say, Lord, what are you trying to tell me? Instead of saying, why me? Uh -huh. To say, what are you yes. teaching me? Yeah. A lot of times we, we can find that that's exactly what he's trying to do is allow us to see the stuff that's so harmful to us that he wants to remove it from us. And Leah, what is the difference in somebody who says, why me, God, and, and pouts and, and, and goes into deeper sin as a result to numb that pain, and somebody who says, I invite that scrutiny, Lord, and what do you want me to do about it? What's the difference in that? I, I think that there's freedom in being who he's created us to be. I mean, he's faithful all the time, and I, it's funny, you've been teaching us how to do declarations, and I've, I've been religious a long time. I, I've learned a scripture, and I love to memorize things, so I've said words like, you know, I used to tell my kids when they were little, um, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what's good for, you know, what's going to benefit others, others, you know, right, helpful right. that it would benefit those who listen, and, and so if they said a swear word or something mean, I would correct them right away with that, and the Lord's been showing me since we've been doing these declarations you know, I, I I was doing something yesterday, and I was it, I was feeling sort of sorry for myself, and I really didn't have any reason to. It was just you know I was tired and I wanted to complain, and I I wanted to say so bad, I'm so and I and I could feel the words coming out, and I said I'm so blessed, <laughs> 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 and and I didn't I wasn't pretending. I I really had to t tell the Lord, you know, you have done so much for me you've been so good to me and it was it was a, a discipline to do that instead of say I'm so frustrated or I'm so tired I'm so sick of this and and so he he says you know fresh water and salt water don't come out of the same place 
and um, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be pleasing to him. And so there's just, a, it just changes us. It does. It changes it, And I think so many of us as Christians live in defeat, live so far below the place of victory that God wants us to live in because of what is coming out of our mouth, what we're coming into agreement with. And, and I'm, I can't stress this enough. You change the whole atmosphere. The Bible says we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. That means I have a thought that comes through my mind that can bring me into defeat, but I make a choice to transform that moment by renewing that mind with truth, the truth of God's word. And that's what Leah is saying here. But so many of us choose to live in a pit. What, what other words stuck out to you, Leah? The other one I liked was that he encircles us. And so it's, it's not just that. He, he embraces us no matter what. You know, he comes from behind us. And um, I don't know that I just felt like it, it meant to pass completely around, you know, yeah. and nothing intimidates him about us. Nothing, nothing, um, you know, he doesn't mean to come behind us and say, like, you're not going, you're not doing the right thing. Like, yes. he's, he's gently trying to encircle us and redirect us all the time. Very good. I found that comforting. So did anybody in, in the uh, audience have a, a translation? We, need, we have time for one more. So let's let Cheryl do it. Karen, uh, she has one that she'd like to share. Okay. The CSB. Okay. It says, um, you observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. You have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. This wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty. I am unable to reach it. Very good. So what did you like about that? That's, that last verse is what I really liked, how um, his knowledge is beyond me. It is loft I'm unable to reach, and that makes me feel like unless you're with him, you can't understand it. He has to he has to give it to you. Not, you and know. he's so big, we can't mm -hmm. understand it. You know, is, aren't you so glad you can't figure him out? Aren't you glad you can't comprehend his love for you? Because if we could comprehend his immense love for us, would he be big enough for us to worship and fear? No, I don't think so. So very good. Yeah. I, I, I really w like the, the message. Did anybody in the, in the audience find the message? I thought that was powerful. So let's just close with that one before we move on. Um, you know when I leave and when I get back, I'm never out of your sight. You know everything I'm going to say before I start the first sentence. I look behind me and you're there. Then up ahead and you're there too. Your reassuring presence coming and going. This is too much, too wonderful. I can't take it all in. I love that he said your reassuring presence. I, I, I think God's presence with us is reassuring. It's not anything to be feared. So let's look at verse 3. Um, you discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all of my ways. So it, in the, the, you can see, Don, I'll have it on the screen here, the King James is thou compass my, my path. And, and so what did we find out about that word discern or uh, compass? You can see here what it means. To scatter, to fan, to cast away, to winnow to disperse, to compass, to spread, to be scattered, to be dispersed. Why in the world would the word discern mean to scatter or to winnow? Does that seem odd to anybody besides me? Now remember, if you're just reading this in the NIV or the New King James, you're going to see the word discern or, or perceive, and that's a good word. But it doesn't mean that it means to scatter, to cast away, to winnow, to sift. 
to scrutinize, like Leah's NASB means. What, what did you find out, team? What did you like about that? To widow, um, I looked up the definition. Yes. And it says, blow a current of air through grain in order to remove the chaff. So it's actually an agricultural term. Did you, did you find that out? So, so it's an agricultural term. So the Israelites would have been familiar with this term. It, it means to winnow. It's, it's when to separate the, the shaft from the, the grain. And so the way they did that, does anybody know? Did you find out how they did that when you studied? Don't they take a they, they throw it up in the air. That's they right. Throw they throw it up in the air. And what happens? What catches it when they throw it up in the air? The wind, the wind catches. Yeah. So in the Bible, what is the wind symbolic of? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Are you catching it? You discern my, my, my going out and my, my lying down. You discern it. You scrutinize it. You, you, you winnow it. You, are you seeing it? So, so when I lie down, my, my, the lying down and the, the um, sitting, the going out and the lying down, what does that stand for, team? Just tell us real quickly. Lying down, sleeping, yes, that's, that's, a, that's a good one. Now look at the, the, the King James. It means, it says path and lying down. So lying down is very much sleeping. It's the end of the day when I lie down, when I rest. But path is also what? You're what? It's a well-trodden road. It's our path, our way of life. And so again, remember last week I talked to you about mirrorisms. What did I say a mirrorism was? Somebody tell me. Complete opposites. When I sit and when I rise, they're two complete opposites. And so it's to, to encompass all that goes between that, okay? Here's another mirrorism. When, when, uh, when I go out and when I lie down. So it's a, it's a mirrorism for, for my entire, all the actions of my day. When I get up in the morning and I go out and when I lie down at night, the beginning of my day, the end of my day, it's encompassing all of that. And so the Bible says that he discerns it, he winnows it, he, he scatters it, if you will. Why would scatter be a good word? Leslie, get a mic. Yeah. So what? Sorry. So, I mean, I took it as... He's getting rid of our or yes, getting is. rid of our garbage. Yes. So why would discern be connected there? Anybody? He what? He he's picking and choosing because who knows? I got some stuff that he has to discern through. When when I go when I go out and I lie down throughout my day, anybody besides me get dirty feet, do things they wish they hadn't done think things they wish they hadn't thought. And I love that my Jesus throws it all up and he scatters and he says, this was not a good thing and this was. And I'm just going to keep this because I understand her and I understand what made her think that. I understand what made her do that. I, I get it. I, I, and so I'm going to choose, see, how would we live if, if Leslie and I and our friendship, we live like that where we, we could choose to scatter? Instead of meditate on, or keep a record of, or remind each other of. Do you love that your Jesus knows you so well that you're going out and you're lying down your whole path all day long? He is throwing it up in the air and let the Holy Spirit separate, discern, pick and choose. And he lands on the good stuff because he made us. 
And he already knows what made me do that thing. He already knows the trauma that was in my past that messed me up. He created me one way, and I got messed up because of the trauma, the garbage in my past. And he's familiar with that. He knows it. He knows everything there is to know about me. So when I mess up, he doesn't say, there she goes again. I can't believe she did it again. She's such a loser. When is she ever going to get this? I don't know. I'm going to take her off my list because I don't really like her right now. He doesn't ever think that. He says, I'm so familiar with her, and I know everything about her, everything she's been through, everything she's endured, everything she went through just today and her bad day. And you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to separate it. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit blow it away. Every bad choice you made today, the Holy Spirit just wants to blow it away. And he wants to keep what's good. What he has designed you. I I see Doug sitting there. Every time I see Doug, I say to him, you are such a mighty man of God. You have no clue what God wants to do in your life. I look at him and I know. Dave and I talk about it all the time. I I, I know the plans that God has for Doug and they're good. And they're to prosper him. They're to make him. He is a mighty man of God. And I know it. I see it in him. That, that, that he, could, he could spit in my face tomorrow and I'd say, mighty man of God, because I, I, can, I, I know the, the Holy Spirit's winnowing and he sees what he was created to be and to do. And he sees what Rhea, who messed up so many times today, was created to be and to do. And he's so harping on that. He has his eye, his watchful eye on that, that he's just winnowing all that other stuff away. Do you love to scatter, to scatter, to scrutinize? See, Leah scrutinized. Give us the definition again, Leah, to scrutinize. See, that's a scary word to me until you understand all of this, isn't it? It says examine closely and minutely, exhaustively. And part of that winnow was to separate desirable and undesirable elements. Oh, so good. So, Leah, have you ever looked at anybody and scrutinized them? Mm. And what do you do that for? To be honest, I mean, just be honest. It's just mean. I, a lot of times when I'm sitting in church, my husband and I will, like, jab each other. And I'm like, that was for you, not me. Yeah. <laughs> or he'll say, that was for me. Or, you know, that was for you. And I said, we need to, we need to scrutinize ourselves. Yeah. You know, we don't do that anymore. But we used to all the time say, that was a good message for you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Or, or have you ever looked at anybody with wild hair and said, I'm going to scrutinize her. I don't think I like her very much. I mean, have you ever done that? where you've judged them according to the way they look, and you see, that's why scrutinize is such a scary word when we see it. But we have a loving Father who, when he scrutinizes us, it is not to make a judgment like that. It's to find the treasure in us that he put there from the start. I have a son who was naughty a lot, which one day (laughs) says, We have one in particular who was naughty, really naughty, and I spent so much time losing sleep over him. And I would go in his bedroom. Okay, moms, I know you know this. I would go in his bedroom when he wasn't home, and I'd go through every drawer he had and every paper in his car, and I would scrutinize, and I would look for any evidence that I needed to just say, naughty boy. And, and I, I just, I was miserable. I worried about him 24-7. And one day I was in prayer, and the Lord said, I want you to call the treasure out in him instead of focusing on all of this stuff he's doing wrong. And I was like, really? Then who's going to tell him what he's doing is wrong if I don't? 
And I'll never forget, you probably, I can tell you what he was wearing. I mean, he is, he's in his 30s right now. But I can tell you what he was wearing, where he was at in our kitchen the day that the Lord said, call the treasure out in him. And I said to him, I I called him by name. He was getting in the refrigerator. And I said, big guy, can I just tell you, you have a heart just like your daddy's. And he looked at me. And, and I said, you have a shepherd's heart, just like your daddy's. And his face, I wish, I wish you could have seen it. And he said, you think that about me? I said, oh, you have such a tender heart. And I said, God is going to use that someday. And I think, truthfully, that was the day that things started to turn around for him. Not because of him, but because of the way I was seeing him. And, and the Lord said, I want you to focus on calling the treasure out in him every time you see him instead of focusing. That's what God does. He, he sees the treasure in us, and he winnows our garbage and our, our bad choices and our bad decisions, and he lets the Spirit just blow it away because he doesn't keep a record of wrongs. And he calls the treasure out in us. Okay, so you discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Anything else that you want to say uh, about the beginning part of that scripture, ladies? You, you discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. He knows what needs to be scattered from our life. And so um, he's familiar with all of our ways. I, I love this. And I, I feel like we have to just say it. Leah, can you just turn to Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9? I, I was studying today, and I happened to see this passage, and, and I was stuck on it all day long, and, and I, I was trying to work, but I kept going back to this passage because it just was so, it was such a cool passage in Deuteronomy, but, but I want Leah to read 4 through, or four through 9 specifically, chapter 6, 4 through 9. Because it it carries all these words. Do you see? He says, you discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all of my ways. Look at this. Verses uh, 4 through 9. Leah. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gate. Do you see it? All of those words are in there. Do you see it? the thoughts, you perceive, you you know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar, you discern my going out and my lying down, you're familiar with all my ways. You shall teach them diligently to your children, you shall talk of them when you sit, when you walk on the way, when you lie down and when you rise up, you shall bind them on on your, your forehead, your thoughts. Do you see it? Is that a coincidence? Hear, O Israel, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. Do you see it? I want you to be so preoccupied with me (laughs) that it's all you talk about when you sit, when you rise, when when you're going out, when you're lying down. I want your, your thoughts to be on me. I want you to be so preoccupied with me that that's all you do. Because Psalm 139, he's so preoccupied with us, that he knows when I sit, when I rise, when I'm going out, when I'm lying down, he's familiar with all my ways. Before a thought is even on my mind, he knows it completely. Before a word is on my mouth, he knows it. 
That's how preoccupied he is with us. And in Deuteronomy, we see that he wants us to be so preoccupied with him. And and it's interesting, when I was meditating on this today, I was struck by, therefore, you should be careful. Somebody say, be careful. You should be careful to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. See, do you hear that? We need to be careful to do what the Lord our God is commanding us to do. You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. You should walk in all the ways which the Lord your God has commanded you. And here's why. He says, so that you may live. And that word means to have abundant life. See, some of you are miserable. Every day of your life, you're miserable. I'm so depressed. My life stinks. That's because you're not doing what the Lord your God has commanded you. You're not living according to his word. If I'm lying, I'm dying. Ask this team. I'm telling you, they live what they, what they preach. And, and when we start living what God commands, our life changes. We start to have life abundant. He says, you'll have, he says, do it so that you may live, that it may be well with you, and that you may prolong your days. Anybody besides me want to live long. The older I get, I'm like, how did that just happen? How did I get this old? I got grandbabies I want to see grow up. Here's how you do that. By you doing all the Lord has commanded you. And that you become so preoccupied with him that it's all you talk about. Some people say, Rhea's so whacked. She's so crazy. All she talks about is the word of God. Yep. And I live. And it goes well with me. And I am prolonging my days. And my life prospers. And we have a God who's so preoccupied with us. Oh, that's what Psalm 139 is all about. So he discerns my going out and my lying down. He's familiar with all my ways. What is that familiar with all my ways? What did you find out about that? Somebody, please grab the mic. It's a journey. It's a journey. My ways are a journey, the journey of life. Uh-huh. But what he's familiar with all my ways. What's that word familiar? It's um, to be of use or service or profit or benefit, profit, um, to be used. So what does that mean? I thought it was interesting because when you read it, like, you're familiar with my ways. I guess familiar seems more of like an acquaintance. Uh-huh. Um, but this is more, this is like because he knows this thing, like, we're to be used. We're to be, you know, like, it's the service, the doing, you know. Um, not, I'm not sure if I'm explaining it right. But it just, it didn't seem right. <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> seem right. When you, do you see why it's so important we study this word? Because I'm reading, you're familiar with all my ways. That tells me I'm familiar. Like, I can, I, can, I know what you're going to do before you do it. I'm familiar with that. But that's not what this definition says. Do you see that? he's put inside of you to be used for his purposes. Yep. So he's familiar with what he put inside of me. And that's what he's winnowing. That's mm-hmm. what he's looking for when he's winnowing. It is very good, Leslie. So, so, wh- so what else did you find out about, about this definition? I heard, I heard Tina say a bit about it when you were talking about to be familiar with or to be acquaintance with. It also means to inhabit or to dwell. Why would this word mean that? 
Those who live with anyone in the same house become familiar with them. They associate with them. Can I tell you, there are some times that Dave, I know what he's going to do before he does it. I, I'm so familiar with him. And I can, I can pretty much tell you, like, if he's having a conversation with somebody, I can tell just by the look on his face what he's thinking. I, I'm so familiar with him. And, and that's the word. He's saying he's so familiar with us. It, he, he inhabits, he dwells with us, and he's become familiar with me. He's, he's, he's acquainted with me, if you will. So I have an, an illustration of that. So we have these new grandbabies, right? Uh-huh. And so we're so also blessed because they call us every day on FaceTime. So we just basically have watched them grow from when they were babies, babies born, to today, which they're all one. And I was saying to Haley today, I'm doing the scripture, and I thought of Everett and how she follows him. I mean, they can't be left alone. So she has to follow him around the house. She knows what he's going to say. When he says something, and I don't know what it means, she knows what it means. Mm -hmm. She knows what he's going to do, what he's thinking. She knows everything because she's with him Mm 24-7, which is exactly the same. Exactly the same. Yeah. Very good. Very good. There's a thing here. It says the maximum exposure of my personality combined with the Lord's total acceptance of me boggles my mind. I love that. Yeah. Yes. The Lord knows everything about me, yet he loves me anyway. Yeah. That's such a safe place to live, isn't it, with somebody like that? Tina, what were you going to say? It also said no intimately. Yes. And I know you were kind of like, that's what you were kind of talking about. Yes. But it was was funny because you were talking about the grandbabies, but I was like playing with my dog today and it was so funny because like I know exactly when he's going to not listen (laughs) because Ah. his head just turns a little bit and that's it he's off Ah. and so it's just like but like nobody else knows that like I know that because I play with him every day like I'm the one who's you know like doing that and and it's just like that moment when he like turns away and gets off track it's like I know that moment when it's about to happen (laughs) so Good, 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 good. All right, so you're familiar Rhea? with all my ways. Yes. Um, I had, I saw up there, the la- like the last words, be want, and I thought, well, what does be want mean? It says one's customary behavior in a particular situation, which is like, it's just like you, we're talking about the grandbabies, you know what they're going to do. Yes. You know, he knows what we're going to do in any situation because he knows us. But right before that, it says treasurer. And it made me think of, of when you t- oh, you're looking you see for it? the treasure. Yes, right up here. Yeah, mm. yeah. Where he he's the treasurer, and he's pulling the treasure out of us. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. the keeper of the treasures. Well, and you can see here too. Do you see this profit or benefit? Mm-hmm. I think he's. It's what Leslie said. He's searching us for the thing that he knows is going to profit or benefit that he put inside of us. Yes. Good, good job. All right, so is anything hidden before him? He's familiar with all of our ways. It's all, all in its entirety. So does that mean our secret sins are hidden from him? No. I, always, I use that word secret sin a lot, but I, I realized this week that there's no such thing as a secret sin because nothing is a secret to God, is it? At 1 Corinthians, I think, 4 or 5, 4 or something, I think says that uh, everything will be uh, everything that's hidden will be uncovered before God that nothing that's hidden let's see uh, that he will unveil every secret motive of every heart and that anything hidden in the darkness will be exposed to his light so all right let's go to the next verse uh, before a word is on my tongue you know it completely what did you find out about that 
What's word? Come on, guys. Speech. Let's see. It is speech, utterance, word. Yep. So does that mean just the good things that's on my mouth that he knows before I even speak it? It means everything, good and bad. He knows them all. He understands my language, like Leslie was saying about Everett, where they say something and we think, I didn't understand any of that. And uh, Alton called Dave the other night, and, he, and Dave was saying, say, or Alton said, pop-pop. And Dave said, he said papa. And pa Tyler said, no, he's talking about Marv, the dog. He calls him pup-pup. <laughs> <laughs> And so Daddy knew what he meant, even though we misunderstood it. And do you not love that Daddy knows what we mean, even though other people... Have you ever been misunderstood? He said, Papa. <laughs> yeah. All right. So what, is, what does that mean? Uh, Leah, you were going to say something? Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. Yeah. I just... I wanted to go back to something, and I, I, I didn't... I was too shy to say this, but I feel like there's something important about all this... Even our words, if we go back to all my ways, uh -huh. can I just bring that Absolutely. up? Absolutely. So it, it's saying all, everything in totality, all my ways. And, you know, it's, it's talking about road, distance, journey, manner. And I saw in her book, too, it said wandering. And I was thinking that, you know, the Lord is, is the good shepherd. And he has one direction for us, and we tend to have a completely different direction. And um, I was thinking of... Nemo, finding Nemo when that Dory was like always distracted by the shiny things. And um, he knows our character, you know, he knows our moral character. And, and so the, the, the first mention was the way, he knows our ways. Um, and so it, it, it's, it, there, is some, there is some stuff in here about, about paths, you know, in the Living Bible it says, you chart that path ahead of me. And I just thought it was significant because he knows he knows where we're going to go, and he actually knows where we're supposed to go too. You know, there's a narrow path, and then there's a wide road of destruction, and he's so faithful to keep bringing us around. and And it is to be where he says he's are acquainted with us. It's to be of service or profit or benefit mm -hmm. to that way that he wants to take us. And so I just I thought that connected really well then with. It was my ways, and then it was um, just the wanderings. I think that was just it, was just that he, I'm sorry, going back to my path. So he, he says, you know, I, I love the word peripateo in, in, um, in Greek, and, and it is a, a really similar. And so he, he knows that he knows our path, the road, the distance, the passing of our life and, and where we're supposed to go. And I just thought that it was really interesting because there was a, a word from Jeremiah 23, 24 that says, can a man hide himself in hiding places so I do not see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill the heavens and the earth, declares the Lord? And reminded me of what you were saying. But he, even though we are so lost like sheep sometimes, yes. he is so faithful to keep bringing us back around and so, again, I, I just, going back to the word that you said, he knows our speech, he knows our actions, he knows the way that we go, he's so familiar, and when you brought up about Everett and how she has to follow him around, 
I just had to go back to this because I, I thought I should say something. And, and, uh, and I'm so glad you did, Leah, because it made me, it reminded me of Dave. Dave was a shepherd boy in England, um, and he has great sheep stories. But they uh, would have a dog that uh, had to chase the sheep back. And um, if the, the sheep are prone to wander, uh, and, and so they have sheep dogs that really chase after them and redirect them, right, Dave? Redirect them. And, and, you know, there's a poem, a big popular poem way back when called The Hounds of Heaven. And, and God has hounds of heaven that he chases after us. And, and we see that in this next passage that says, you hem me in behind and before. And, and we're going to, uh, we want to talk a little bit more about before a word is on my lips, you know, completely. But I want to jump ahead to you hem me in. Because sometimes he uses circumstances to, to be a hound of heaven. Sometimes when we're, when we're wandering like sheep and we get off the path, he sends the hounds of heaven after us to redirect us and to try to get us to turn back. And, and that looks like difficult circumstances. I'm just going to tell you that sometimes he allows things in our life to redirect us, to get our attention, to bring us back. And, and that really is what Leah was saying about the path. We, we start to wonder, but he's familiar even with our wanderings, and he will send the hound of heaven after us to, to, to lure us back in. Anything else about before a word is on my lips, you know it completely? Uh, there's so much good stuff. I expected to see so many of you on Friday morning because we have such a great time and we go so much deeper than we do here. And I can see in their notes they want to go deeper because we take one verse and maybe talk for two hours on one little verse. And um, so I can see in their notes they want to do the same thing and we just don't have that luxury tonight. But the only thing I was thinking of that before, you know, he knows everything we're going to say or think or do. Like, what if we really understood that and we really, like, thought about what we were going to say before it, like, pukes out of our mouth mm -hmm. or, <laughs> you know, or even we think stuff, you yeah. know, like, if we realized he was right there. But I don't, we just don't yeah. even realize he's right there. And it's interesting, that word, before a word is on my lips, before it's on my lips, that means when I'm just musing it over in my head. How many times have you wanted to say something and you caught yourself and you didn't let it go out and you're like, yay me, I, I didn't say that. <laughs> but guess what, God already knows it was going to be on your lips. And so, and so yeah, so it, is, it is convicting, yes, very good. And you know, uh, Riyadh, he already knows it's on your lips because he already knows what's in your heart. Yes. Out of, your out of your heart, your mouth speaks. Out of the abundance and so of your heart. And so he goes even deeper because he knows the good and the bad in there. Yeah. That, that scripture, I'm starting to look at it a new way, Karen. I'm glad you brought that up. The Bible says that out of the abundance of our heart, the mouth speaks. It's interesting to me. I would, I would always think about what am I putting in my heart because that's what my mouth is going to speak. But it's interesting that the word is out of the abundance of the heart. So that doesn't mean I'm going to have a perfect heart and my mouth is, I, I might have some junk in there, but in the abundance, what's in abundance is what's going to come out. And so are you following me? That there, there might be some bad stuff, but what's there in abundance? That's why I'm purposeful about putting the word of God in my life in abundance, because I got some junk in my heart that I need to outsource. I need to, I need to make sure that I have more word than I have garbage. And so, yeah. All right, so we're going to finish this. Uh, bef uh, you hem me in behind and before you lay your hand upon me. I'm rushing because I so want to get to this word. It's so fabulous. Can I? Look at this. Oh. Yes, I see a hand oh. somewhere. No. Karen? Yes. 
it struck me so much that Hem also means besieged. Uh, yes. So Hem, because she's a seamstress, <laughs> what, what does Hem mean to you? To bind it up to keep it from unraveling. <laughs> there you go. And, and that's what you think about when you just see the word Hem in Psalm 139. Do you not? But look at what it means. It means to bind, which is Hem, to besiege, to confine, to camp, to shut in, to shut up, uh, to be an adversary to treat as a foe, which is interesting to me. So why would it mean besiege? Besiege, I looked up, and it says to surround a place, um, surround a place, surround in <laughs> with an armed forces in order to capture it or force its surrender. Or force its surrender. I love that, Karen. I had um, found this on Bible Reference. Um, David relates his confidence that God hems him in. The idea comes from the Hebrew word T-S-U-W-R, um, which is often used of a military siege or fortification. A closely related term is used in reference to ideas such as rocks or strength. In this context, it means to suggest guarding a valuable ob object. Yes. The statement attests to the Lord's protection of his people. I love that you brought that out, Tina. It does. One of the commentators I read said it, it really means to guard a valuable object. Because when I think about besiege, I think it means uh, an army coming to take over. Are you seeing? But, but it means to guard a valuable object. And, and so that, that picture is, is, is interesting to me. Spurgeon says, we cannot turn back and so escape him. For he is behind, we cannot go forward and outmarch him, for he is before. He not only beholds us, but he besets us. And lest there should seem any chance of escape, or lest there, there should imagine that, sur that the surrounding presence is yet a distant one, it isn't. And he's laid his hand upon us. So he, he hems us in behind Behind and before, and he's laid his hand upon us. So what would that be symbolic of? Somebody tell me. He's laid, he's, he hems us in behind. What is behind symbolic of? The past. And before, which is the future. And he's laid his hand upon me. The present. Do you see? We're surrounded on all sides. Do you, do you see that? So I believe it can be future, present, and past. He, he, he hems us in all of those places, but I also think it means he's before me, he's behind me, he's upon me. He, he's got me garrisoned in. He's, he's, he, there's no escaping him, and we'll see that in the passage that we study next week. There's no escaping. Wherever we go, there he is. There he is again. We can't escape him. The first mention for that beset word <clears throat> is if it is what you've kind of been talking about. Uh -huh. If you would Indeed, obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. There you go. So, so, so is it, do you think, a picture of God confining us? Because that's a little scary. If, if you're not a real God lover and you don't really believe that his pleasant path will lead to pleasant places, the idea that he is everywhere and he's, he is behind you and before you and he's laid his hand upon you, that's a little confining. I want to live my life, and I want to sin, and I want to have fun, and that is way too rigid for me. Yeah, you're going to destroy your life, I promise you, because I lived it. I lived it. And so is this confining? Is God talking about him confining us? Yes or no? Is it? Leah, I hear you. 
he he does for our protection. I think he's he, well. He is a good father, and so I'm I'm a parent, and so I know that there's times when I've had to take action. And w one of those words is one that contends with um, or opposes an op an opponent. An opponent. Mm -hmm. And the enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy our life, and so he entices us, and he is like an angel of light, and the Lord knows what will pull us away, and so he does hem us in. And there's, there's times in my life where I remember being so upset, like, why didn't that go my way, or why didn't this happen the way I wanted it to? And later on, looking back, realizing that what I was really pouting about or wanting so badly was something super harmful to me or wrong. So, so, so is it confinement or is it protection or is it both? I and? think it's both. I think it's both and. And I, I just want to tell you I, what's flashing through my mind as Leah was talking is, and Dave, you'll remember this, we were in Israel when our children were little tiny and, and we, we had the, uh, we had, we have seven children <laughs> and they were little tiny and we were going down the streets of Israel. We were actually in Jerusalem uh, and in the marketplace where there are pickpockets and robbers and and it's not the safest place in the world. We had Sari, um, one of our favorite um, guides at that time, and, and we knew him well. And, and he came back and he dropped back with Dave and I and he said, I want you to bring the children up to me. And I want you to stand, each stand on side of them, and I'm going to stand in front of them, and I, I want them in the middle of us as we walk through the streets of Jerusalem. And our kids were like, no, we want to see what's going on, and we can't have any fun. We want to go to the marketplace. And we were like, you got to trust us here. We're keeping you safe. And what felt like confinement for them was protection um, by their father and by the guide. And, and so I think sometimes we view God as being confining when really he's being protective. Uh, Karen? Um, one of the things that this passage reminds me of is like God is all around us so anything that we do is like going through God you have to get through God to get to you or the other way around yeah I have to go through God to get to the rest of the world as well because he's he's here yeah yeah you can't escape him I can't escape him and it's a protective as well as a filter yeah yep good 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 I heard somebody over here. Comfort. Like if you had a crazy past like I did, mm -hmm. then the confinement doesn't seem so bad. But if you lived a pretty good life and came to Christ, then the confinement probably would seem kind of bad. Mm -hmm. Like you'd feel more confined. Whereas if you like were, like I had a wild past. And so for me, it's not confining. Like to me, it brings peace. Well, and I want to take a step further with the wild past because I had one. And, and I, I think confinement, you, confinement is great for you because you weren't always protected. But confinement is scary for me because when you have a wild past or you're doing something you know is not in line with the word of God, confinement is scary until you repent. And then confinement becomes protection. Do you see that? I'm threatened by confinement if I know I'm in sin and I want to be in sin. Then confinement is a scary thing, is a threat. But confinement, if you're living in repentance, is never a scary thing. Do you see the difference? Yeah. So, all right. Let's go to the next one.
Anything else oh. about? No, there's more. Yay! I just, I just wanted to say that this reminds me of when um, we had to put my grandparents in a nursing home, and um, I remember we would check out different places, and one place we all sat down and talked about, and we're like, no way are we putting, you know, our grandparents in there because it's just, you know, it's, it's an awful place. And my mom said, can't we just bubble wrap them? <laughs> We're bubble you know, wrapped, aren't we? Yeah, uh -huh. and, and I, th I love that analogy because, you know, like w when I send a package out and it's fragile, I bubble wrap it, That's you right. know? Mm -hmm. But also too, I take care in, in making sure that that, that object is, is contained. But also too, when I open a package that's bubble wrapped, I love the fact that somebody took the care to bubble uh -huh. wrap it. Yeah, it's very good. You know, yeah. and I just, I just, I love bubble wrap. I never, I never <laughs> pop it anymore because I know what it's there for. Yeah. yeah, when I was a kid, I wanted to pop it all the time and I wanted to break out of it. But now I just accept it and I love the bubble yeah. wrap, you yeah. know. And that's how I feel. You about are Christ. bubble wrapped. He's yeah. my bubble wrap. Yeah, you know? yes, you are very good. So he's laid his hand upon us. What is the hand symbolic of? Did anybody find that when you studied? The right hand of God. He sits on the right hand of God. Power, mm -hmm. protection, protection, power, what else? Authority, defense is another one. So he's laid his hand of power on me. He's laid his hand of protection upon me. He's laid his hand of defense upon me. But I also believe it's the hand of blessing that's upon me. Yeah. So, um, such, uh, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Too lofty for me to attain. Rhea, can I just make it? Absolutely. I just wanted to read something that Matthew Henry, a uh, commentary. He said, wherever we are, we are under the eye of, and hand of God. Mm -hmm. Perhaps it is an allusion to the physician laying his hand upon his patient to feel how his pulse beats or what his temperature is. God knows us as we know not only what we see, but what we feel and have our hands upon. Mm. All his saints are in his hand. We have a good friend who um, their daughter had to go to the doctor this, this past week, and it was not a fun appointment for her. And I saw her on Sunday, and I, it was a yucky appointment. And I, I was thinking about her. I was praying for her last week when she had this appointment, and, and I, I thought, you know, it, it wasn't a fun appointment for her. But that doctor knows what he's doing. And, and in order to find out what the problem was, she had to submit to that doctor's care. And, and it's not a scary thing when you submit to a doctor and you know it's for diagnosis and that you're going to feel better when he's done with you. And that really is the picture. And that's what Matthew Henry is bringing out there is just like we submit to a surgeon, we trust the surgeon's hand. Um, we can trust the God who knows us to really put his finger on, on what is wrong in our life. Yeah, so such knowledge is too wonderful for me. What does that mean? That's David's response. He's saying it's, all this stuff is just too, it's the, the idea that you've searched me and you know me, that you know when I sit and when I rise, that you perceive my thoughts from afar, that you discern my going out and my lying down, that you're familiar with all my ways, that before a word is on my, my tongue, you know it completely completely, that you hem me in behind and before, and you've laid your hand. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. 
what do you think that means? So um, I read that that might have been when he was being chased by Saul. Did you read that at all? Mm, go ahead. So when he was dealing with Saul, you know, he was constantly running for his life, and he was constantly under attack, and he was going to be, yes. he wanted to kill him. And so... They actually think this whole psalm is, is in response to him running. Yeah, back. and so for him, he was like, oh, my goodness, like, I can't even, like, he, he, he trusted God so much because he, every single day, he was constantly on the, you know, afraid of being murdered, you know, by Saul because Saul was so jealous of him. And so I think he was just like, I can't even... I can't even believe you would protect me like you do, yeah. you know? Uh, yeah, and it's, that's especially good to know in this time of COVID because so many people have been so scared and so frightened. And if we really understood <laughs> that he hems us in behind and before, he's laid his hand upon us, that, that we are under his watchful eye, that we're under his, his um, caring hand, um, yeah, and that is David. He he was in he was being pursued most of his yeah, mm -hmm. yep, very good. So so what do we think? Do we think that the knowledge um, before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely? You have me be hand behind you before you lay your hand upon me. What do you think that knowledge is in reference to? That whole passage, or do you think it's in reference to the fact that he hems them in behind him before? What's your feeling on that? I thought it was the knowledge. Like about, um, like God's knowledge of David, uh -huh. um, and it was like the really, um, I, I think it, you know we talked about like omnipresence, um, right, and like just like just how he knows everything all, and it's just he just can't comprehend. Like he knows that you know he's saying these things, but like it's so much for him to like take in. So, so do you think what he can't comprehend is, is that God knows him so well? Or do you think that what he is too lofty for him to attain is the knowledge? Okay, help me, Lord, with this. So God knows everything there is to know about David. He, he knows when he sits, when he rises. He knows before a word is on his tongue. He knows him so well, so intimately, that before a word is even on his tongue, he knows it. That a, before a thought is even formed in his mind, he knows it. Do you think that he's saying it's too lofty for me to attain, that I, can't, I don't even know myself as well as you know me? That you, you, Lord, know me so well, I don't even know myself that well. Or do you think he's saying it's not even possible for me to grasp how well you know me? Which one do you think it is? It's both and, I, I would think. But I think we, we want to jump to it's that, that this knowledge is too lofty for me to attain. I can't wrap my, my arms around the fact that you could know me so well. I think that's where we first think. But I believe it's also, wow, you know me better than I even know myself. And so as we end tonight, I want you to think about that. Because I don't know about you, but th daily I go to the Lord, and I'm like, Lord, why do I do that? Why did I respond that way? Why did I say that stupid thing, Lord? Why was I just insecure? Why did I feel rejected there? Why was I such a baby? Why did I snap? I mean, do you ever do that? And I just want to challenge you that God knows you so well. 
And, and I want to I just challenge you this week that when you do those kind of things, to go to God and say, why? You know me. Can, can you help me know myself? Can, can you help me understand why I'm doing the things I'm doing so I can change? You know, I, I think that unless somebody understands why they do it, they're never going to change. That's why psychology or, you know, going to counselors is so great for people because the counselor helps them to understand something about themselves they, they didn't get. They help them to connect the dots, if you will. Can I tell you about the counselor, the wonderful counselor who knows us better than we know ourselves? I love Dan Green at New Life Resources. I'm telling you, that guy is good at what he does. But uh, he doesn't know, uh, doesn't know more than God does. And God is a wonderful counselor. And I don't have to pay him. And, and I can just go to him and say, Lord, no dig against you, Dan, because I love you. But, but I, I'm telling you, I can just go to God and say, Lord, help me understand why I do that. Because I want to change. So search me and know me and show me if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me to the way of everlasting. Sandy. We, the first mention was Genesis 2.9, which goes back to the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So huh. we've got our free will that we're dealing with all the time. Yes. <laughs> so so the, the word knowledge, such knowledge was the first mention was in Genesis. Yeah. So Sandy's using the first mention there. Remember we talked about that gives you the best definition of the word. And she took it back to the tree as a knowledge of good and evil. Um, and so, yes. Oh, sure. Good, good, good job, Karen. So Karen's asking me to show you on Blue Letter where that's at. So um, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. There's the word knowledge that we looked at. And so Sandy said the first mention is, see, Genesis 2, 9, the knowledge of good and evil. And so that first mention, we always check that out because it helps you to have the best understanding of that word. I was on a rabbit uh, trail you know, when, when we were talking about hemming in and besieging. And there's a scripture that says, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. And that word encamp is the picture of being besieged or hemmed in or shut in. And so I just got on a rabbit trail and ended up finding that, that verse. And so it's so fun. I, I prayed for you this week that you would look at this as a treasure hunt and just see what incredible stuff you can find. And um, we're going to look next week at verses... Um, 7 through 12, it looks like a lot, it's really not, it all basically says the same kind of thing, um, but pay attention to all those ifs, um, and, and their ifs and even then, uh, those are going to be important next week, it's going to be a good week, and um, are you enjoying this? Are you understanding how easy this is for you to really study the Word of God? I just want to close, I know we're late on time, but I want to just reiterate a couple things. Uh, when I study, I look at the different versions. One of the things I do all the time is I will recite it out loud. Um, oh, Lord, you search me and you know me. And then I'll say it a different way. I'll stress different words. Oh, Lord, you search me and you know me. Oh, Lord, you search me and you know me. Oh, Lord, you search me and you know me. Oh, Lord, you search me and you know me. You see how just stressing those different words already in your mind, you're getting a, a grasp on that scripture. And uh, so that's another thing uh, that we do. And um, then, I, then we'll also do cross-referencing. You'll see in your Bible, let me show you this. I don't know if I can on here. Lord, help me with this. 
this is a poor example, but in your Bibles, you will have a, a, a column going down the center of some of your Bibles, and they have a little letter, and it'll attach to a word within the, the passage, and it's very similar to this here. Do you see how down here in the footnotes, it'll give you different verses? That, that, that's a cross-reference, and so if you go to that word, you'll, you'll see another picture of where that word is used, and, and that's really kind of fun to do as well. Uh, and if you do any of those, you don't ever have to even open a commentary. You're going to come prepared uh, and with good ideas. So we're going to keep the mics open again next week, and we'll try to do less team and more you now that we're studying more, and, and, and we will really lean on some of you. Uh, and so I don't want any downtime, so come and be prepared so that you can just line up up and give me some, give me some, um, uh, some, th some ideas that you studied, and it'll be fun. And no pressure, come even if you didn't study. Um, I'm not going to call on you. I'm going to give you a chance to, to, um, to, to just all share. I will tell you that one of my favorite people to read is Rick Renner. Rick Renner has a book called Gems in the Greek. I think Gems in the Greek, mm -hmm. Gems from the Greek. Two of them, yes. Uh, and he has an incredible, and, and I got it, uh, I got it just online, you can just Google it and you can get it online. He has an incredible, uh, some insight on, on these words. Another favorite of mine is Skip, Skip Moen. Moen, he's a Hebrew scholar, and uh, he has the scrutinize, really incredible insight on scrutiny. And so um, those are all good resources that you can just find online as well. So, Father, I thank you for every man and woman here. Lord, as I prayed in prayer time this morning, I'm fully, or tonight, I, I'm fully aware, Lord God, that we don't even have the ability to understand your word on our own, that even that is a working of your grace in our life. And so, Lord, I'm asking you to grace every person who decides to pick up your word this week, that you would grace them with the ability to understand, that you would grant them a hunger and a desire to, to, to read your word, to study your word, and to know your word, that you would give us, that you'd lure us and call us aside, Lord God, to spend time in your word this week, and that you would give us rhema words, that you would give us understanding, that you would give us insight and wisdom to the truth found in your word, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Any questions before we end? Rhea? Yes. Can I just end with um, the Passion Translation? Uh, it's what we opened it with. You did? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought, I said too, I thought it was so super good. Yeah. Yeah, it's what we opened. We opened reading it instead of the NIV this tonight. So um, any other questions? Yes, Angela. Huh. That's a really good question, honey. Um, Angela's asking why he allows the wheat to grow with the tares. And um, Davey, you can step into this anytime you want. But um, I think it's his grace and his mercy and that he gives everybody as much time as possible to repent. But there is coming a day when the wheat will be separated from the tares. It's interesting. Do you remember the study we did on that word and how uh, it's called bastard wheat, I think, tares are? Because it really looks, what strikes me, and, and forgive me if I'm wrong, because I, it's been a long time since we studied it, I can't remember. But, but I, what strikes me about the, t the, the tares, Angela, is that it looks like wheat. That should convict every one of us. 
It looks just like it. It's called bastard wheat. I, I'm what the world calls a bastard because <laughs> my mother and father had an affair and I was born out of adultery. And so the, word, the, the world calls me a bastard and not the real thing. I don't have full, full bloodline, if you will. And so the fact that we're called, that tares are called bastard wheat, <laughs> it, it, it should frighten us that it looks like the real deal. I read a statistic this week I was sharing with the team. I wish I would have written it down, that the number of people that attend church faithfully on a Sunday morning and never open up their Bible the rest of the week. It was astronomical. I can't remember what the percentage was, but it was astronomical. And it, I grieved when I read it. And I, I want to challenge you this week to not let that be you, because Angela's right. The wheat and the tare will grow together until the final day, and then they'll be separated. Yes, Angela. Uh, I do love you, dear one. Oh, I, I know. For, for, many years I, for many years, I had written in the front of my Bible, God did not purpose the sin, but he purposed the person. And I'm so grateful for that. Yes. Yes. That's so good. That's so great. Yeah. That's so great. And, and, and I do believe it also is his mercy. It's not his will that any one of us perish. And he will do whatever he takes, hemming us in behind him before, trying to redirect us to get us back to him. Golly, if you don't know Jesus, can I tell you? I, and I, I speak from such experience. He is the only way to life. He really is. And so... I pray that you know him. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next week. Six through, did somebody write it down? Seven through 12. Have a wonderful week.